This is Above Grade with J.S. Brown and your host, Bryce Jacob. This is Above Grade, and I'm your host, Bryce Jacob at J.S. Brown and Company. And every week, Greg Hansberry and I do a little edutaining about the construction landscape here in central Ohio. Well, and last time, Bryce, not to interrupt you, you did all of the educational portion of it. It, well, it was entertaining, but you 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 schooled <laughs> us. You, I mean, you 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 are a, a professor of universal All design. Right. Well, they call me the professor of universal design, and I'm back, baby. Even more. This yeah. is interesting stuff. I'm excited I, I'm about glad. this. Well, and he, so what we were trying to do is fuel your you know Valentine's Day vocabulary. Right, do, right, you, yeah. do you you feel that that happened last week? Oh, yeah, just some of the renewed vigor of what I could do to design my home. Uh, yeah. you know, for to to make it a. a a family place that everyone could could be for for a, a long period of time. I'm rambling yeah. on a little bit, yeah, but it well, worked. Be careful not to talk about multi generational <laughs> housing. Oh, what's that? Is that well, bad? you might be having the in laws. Oh no! You. Your wife might say, "What a brilliant idea! What a great husband of the year!" <laughs> Mom's moving in next week, by the way. So, yeah, but yeah, we are talking about universal design and what universal design is. And uh, I'm going to give the definition again. If you missed it last week. Uh, we were talking about, we kind of did an intro to universal design, then we hunkered down on the kitchen. We talked a lot about things that we're doing in the kitchen to come up with a design that really accommodates all members of the family throughout the span of life. So I'm going to hit that definition again. Are you wanna, do you know the definition by now? You have it memorized? Well, um, I'm going to pretend like you do, it? but I also have this cheat sheet right in front of me. Oh, okay. Well, then let's just <laughs> try to go from the memory bank. All right. Okay. Well, Never uh, mind. Don't. Uh, I, no, you're no. Looking. It's a worldwide movement based on the idea that all residential environments and products should be easily used and accessed by all members of the family, regardless of their age, size, physical abilities throughout their lifespan. That was all from memory, Bryce. Yeah, I noticed you dropped your sheet as you started to uh, read. So that was very good. But you're right. It's a it's a worldwide movement. So one of the things that I, I used to do when I go out and teach this class early on is uh, I might be somewhere in California or in North Carolina or wherever wherever I was, and I'd be talking about universal design. And I'd ask how many people, uh, I'd say, who knows something about universal design? And, and 10 years ago, everyone just said, yeah, it's about, you know, handicap accessibility. And I was like... So frustrating mm-hmm. 10 years ago because everybody thought it was about wheelchair ramps and grab bars. It was the best way to just describe it in two words or three, four words, no, whatever right, that yeah. is. I need to do it on my fingers. Um, but that was the way many people described it. Or they'd say, oh, yeah, aging in place. And aging in place is something very different, but it falls under the umbrella of universal design. And so now people know more universally what universal design really is. But the analogy I used to give people was how many of you traveled and all the hands would go up and I, how many of you brought luggage with you? You know, keep your hands up if you brought luggage. Well, most people have their hands up and how many of you have wheels on your luggage? And they all had, the hands were up the entire time for all three of those questions. And I'd said, well, how many of you are handicapped? And all the hands would go down. Mm -hmm. And so the wheels on luggage is a great example of a universally designed product that helps someone who is handicapped, who helps someone who's elderly, that helps the business traveler, who helps the family traveler, who helps the child traveler. Sure. Everybody can use a suitcase that has wheels on the bottom of it because it's universally designed to be easier. It I just love makes it. That's sense. That's a great example. Yeah. So if you 
you know, how many people go out and they say, I need new luggage. And they're like, gosh, darn wheels. Why do they put wheels on these stupid things? I just want to schlep this thing all over. Yeah, I want to use the that. luggage carts at the, you know, I want to find <laughs> I bring one a of those dolly. luggage carts. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's not Harry Potter. So, you know, they, uh, they've designed luggage for the way we live because it makes, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. It's just like when you get into a car, it's very hard to find a car that doesn't have windows that go down with a button. Now you, you don't hand crank those down. You don't have the mirror on the outside of the car that when you're going 65 miles per hour, you got to roll your window down and adjust the mirror. There's controls it's, that yeah. do that now. So and it's, and it's not quite a luxury either. It's, uh, it's yeah, yeah. 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 It's a standard thing. So it's interesting when it comes out, it's this new fandangled, wow, great new technology, but because it's so smart, it becomes mainstream in how we live. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we're, we're going to talk a little bit about grab bars today and that freaks a lot of people out. You know, grab bars make people feel like they aren't capable or physically strong anymore. But every car that's ever been sold has grab bars in it. The, uh, I think they have a O, o blank handle is yeah, what we call those. them. Yeah, those. The O blank handle. Grab you it. You got it. Yeah. You got it. And we hang our dry cleaning on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, we do yeah. all those things with. But that's a grab bar. There's yeah, no, no other sure. way to look at it. And the purpose of it is to help people get in and out of a car without falling over because they're mm-hmm. bent over when they get in a car. And so there, there's a grab bar standard in every car. But they work it into the design so it actually looks fairly stylish in, in the car. Mm-hmm. You don't go, oh, gosh, there's the institutional handicap part of my car. You know, you look at it and you go, it's ex- expected. Mm-hmm. And they've integrated that in well. Well, that's what's happening now in our homes with areas where they say, hey, there's there's physical uh, challenges that, that can occur in a bathroom and there's risk associated with a bathroom. And you heard me bait you a little bit last week by saying the bathroom is the number one room in the home where right, injuries right, right. occur. Why do you suppose that is? Just slippery floors, I bet, right? And tubs, you know, and whatever. Yeah, there's that. And you don't have padding on. Your clothing is off typically. You <laughs> right, hard yeah, surfaces. Sure. You know, you land on tile, you land on the edge of the a tub, toilet, you yeah. hit the edge of a countertop corner, and you don't have protection on your body. So, you know, that the injury is is a higher level of injury because there's no padding or protection when, when people fall. Mm-hmm. And you're landing on arguably the hardest surface in the home as well, other than maybe the garage floor so or basement floor. Mm-hmm. So, you know, as, as injuries occur in bathrooms, they could be prevented uh, or at least limited. You know, there's always going to be people who do something, and you're just like, what were you thinking? And they get injured. Um, but there's also going to be people who physically can't do the things that they have been able to before. So you've got to take that into consideration to create a safer environment. So the bathroom is a really cool area of focus for universal design because there's some just amazing things that have been developed in bathrooms to address the universal design movement. And you probably want to know what they are. I do, because I was thinking where the bidet would fit into this, and I'm not <laughs> quite sure I'm going to be able to work it in. So <laughs> teach, school me on a few things that are uh, universally designed for the bathroom. Yeah, so a bidet is not necessarily a universal or non-universal element. It's a... It is a device that people use as a preference. And if they have space for it, then so be it, you know, have right, a bidet in there. Right. But generally, we're, um, toilets are uh, wanting to be a little bit higher. Mm-hmm. You want to get your hips above your knees so you can get into a standing position easier. So it's an intimate space a bathroom is because of, you know, one, people are naked in the bathroom mm-hmm. a lot. And so you can get injured. But there's also going to the toilet. There's the mm, daily functions sure. that we have that aren't the most pleasant in all cases. So when we look at someone and we decide the height of the toilet, it's basically based on the height of the individual. You know, it doesn't have to be, there's a toilet called comfort height. 
And we right. might have talked about that a little bit before, but it doesn't necessarily mean it's more comfortable for everybody. It, sure. It just no, means well, yeah. that it can be more comfortable for a, a, a higher majority of people that might be a little bit ta- taller because you're putting their hips uh, above the knee, which allows you better leveraging into getting into a standing position. Well, and likewise, we have a, a little bit of a shorter toilet in the kids' bathroom because yeah. they're there you just go. starting to get, get potty toilet. trained. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, but but you're exactly right. For kids' bathrooms, you we have to think about, okay, if the kids are using this and they're young mm-hmm. children, then maybe we shouldn't. It doesn't need to be a mini toilet, but it doesn't have to be a raised height toilet. Right. So they have a lot of different heights in, in toilets. But probably the biggest design change that I've seen in bathrooms are the showers, where they've gone to barrier-free showers. Mm-hmm. And so a barrier-free just means there's no curb on the shower. And the floor is seamless as it goes into the shower floor. So there's nothing to trip over. Right. And, you know, there's... <laughs> I've fallen in the tub even as an adult. So, yeah. yes. Well, I mean... <laughs> you in and out. <laughs> so I can see it for sure. Yeah. And, uh, and and a lot of people have. Or they slipped or they just yeah. tripped going over yeah. the edge. Or, yes. You know, it's the thing that um, you, you get into a routine of doing something and you almost can do it with your eyes closed. But shoot, stepping over the edge of a tub is something that, you know, if you didn't stretch right that day and you get older... You know, the, the, the barrier-free system is probably the number one uh, largest improvement in bathrooms in an already confined space. You know, bathrooms are kind of tiny. And especially when you get into remodeling, you go into bathrooms that are your typical five by seven, you know, five, five feet wide, seven feet long. And you got a, you know, small vanity in the toilet next to it. And the opposite side, you got the shower and a little linen closet. And so you got your... You got your bathroom layout right there. Well, you can't get into those bathrooms very well because the door width isn't large enough. If anyone had an ambulatory device, Mm -hmm. be a uh, walker or a wheelchair, they're not getting into that bathroom. So that's the trickiest thing that I deal with when we go in to remodel a bathroom is if they want to keep that five by seven footprint, we've got challenges if they ever have uh, uh, accessibility needs. And so widening doorways or doing whatever we need to do. I mean, a lot of bathrooms have a 24-inch wide door. It's a tiny, tiny door. And, uh, you know, we, we want to at least open open up those doorways a little bit. So if people have a larger budget and they can expand that space where you can borrow other space, we want to be able to have uh, a larger area so we're not restricted uh, due, due to that small size of space. And to harken uh, back to the episode we did um a uh, few few episodes ago, we talked about the designs of of the bathrooms and these barrier free showers are kind of trendy and cool. So oh, yeah. it doesn't have to look yeah. very um, you know formal or, or hospital like. Well, well, they they're very luxurious. Looking, yeah. As a yeah. matter of fact, you know the the because we're usually putting on a frameless shower glass system. So it's cool looking. You've got this beautiful looking shower and the tile today. Gosh, there's so many tile designs out there, and depending on how they have that that base installed, Mm -hmm. you may be able to use a larger format tile and that makes it even look more luxurious. So, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't have to look institutional. Mm -hmm. Nothing we're talking about is, is an institutional look. This is, this is the way bathrooms are being done. Like Mm -hmm. I, I, I've done mm, two bathrooms in the last probably six years that have had a curb to them. All rest have been barrier free. Wow. So people just understand that it makes sense. Uh, the only kickback I've ever gotten is people who say, well, my bathroom will flood. Well, that's a drain issue, not a... A shower issue, right. It's not a design issue or it's not going to be... A barrier-free doesn't 
introduce that any more than it does with anything else. If water's hitting your shower door and water's going down it, it's either hitting a curb and going out onto the curb or it's hitting the floor and going out under the floor just a little bit. Because there, you know, there's water that just finds a way when you have shower uh, water hitting hitting a door. So it's it's if your drain's backing up, yeah, then you got a problem. But that it wouldn't matter if you had a curb or not. You know, your water, if it backs up enough, goes over the edge of the curb and out into the shower floor. So you just need to make sure your drains are clean. But while you're in the shower, this is the other thing we see is um, people building a bench in. Um, sometimes people will sit, they have a handheld shower unit with a diverter. So they've got a standard shower head and then they have a handheld on a slide bar that's mm-hmm. near a bench. And that, you know, let's talk universal design. That doesn't mean that it's someone who's is an ambulatory that's going to use that. That might be woman of the house or the male bicyclist who likes to shave his legs that wants to, you know, sure. have hot water on their legs while they're shaving their legs. So they right. don't, you know, nip the goosebumps off that you hear women talk about. They cut themselves shaving because they get cold in the shower and they don't have a place to put their foot. So they're hopping around. And a lot of women listening to this are probably <laughs> they, like, they yeah, exactly that's how my started. So, you know, there's, there's that part of it where you put your foot up on a bench and you've got, you know, something to stabilize yourself. And if you don't want to put a bench in because you just don't ever see yourself sitting at the bench, sometimes we put a, a little foot pocket in the wall and that's an oh, area that's, cool. that's kind of like a recessed niche right. or niche. And uh, you, you put it at a height where it's comfortable for um, the lady of the house to put their, her foot up on that while she's mm-hmm. shaving her legs. So, right now I use that uh, little soap, you know, the old yeah. school soap thing. And it's, I'm just waiting one day it's going to break off. For shaving your legs? Well, <laughs> yeah, when I shave my legs. I think it's a confession time here on uh, above grade, and that just got below grade. No, I don't, you know, just wash my feet or whatever. I put my, vial. I'm not that flexible. I need to. All right. Okay, you wash your legs. That's good. All right. Well, oh, Lord. Good, good uh, backpedaling there. So the other thing is, it's just comfort in a bathroom. You know, uh, I'm not, I don't like cold air. You know, high right, is really hard right. for me. In bathrooms, when I come out and get out of the shower, gosh, I just hate cold. In most bathrooms, you have tile. So tile is naturally very cold. And when your feet hit that, it can be very cold. So one of the things, and we've talked about this on the show quite a, quite a bit, and this is just a great element to put in is radiant floor. Oh, yeah. You know, it's a, yeah, it's a low you voltage sold me system. On it, man. Mm. Have you tried it? No, no but it? just I've just heard you talk I about it two or three times. That, yes, oh, yeah. Maybe I should be a rep for them. Um, <laughs> yes. Well, I'll tell you, I could be because... You know, I've done, I did it in my house and I did it kind of just on a, eh, fine, I'll put it in. The rep was really after me, knew I was doing my bathroom and and he just said, look, you'll love this. You really will. And I was going, I, you know, I've, my whole life I've had cold tile and it just, it's just the way there's rugs. I put rugs down. So, you know, whatever. And they said, no, rugs are tripping hazards. They're right. They are tripping hazards. And so while a rug is great when you get out of the shower to drip on while you're drying off, you don't need it otherwise. Uh, for standing in front Actually, of you. I hate that when, when like, I'm, if I especially have my shoes on, I feel yeah. gross standing on a rug. rug. Yeah. Well, you know well, what I mean? Like, because you got your shoes on the rug that you're standing, you know, should be clean when you get yeah. out of the shower. And you're right. Yeah. Well, me out. it just harvests bacteria <laughs> anyway. So, you know, the, it's good. The radiant heat prevents the need for having uh, rugs. Cool. Um, so that, that's the thing. And, and so I did it. I put it in my house. The rep said, I'll, I'll give it to you. So folks, sorry, they're not going to do it for everybody. They did it for me because of the business I'm in. And they said, Hey, look, if you 
tell us what you think of this thing. We're, they believed so strongly that if they put it in my house, I would sell the snot out of these things. And I can tell you, I've only had one bathroom and it was this last year that I've done in about an eight, eight to nine year span. I'm not kidding you that didn't put radiant floors in their bathroom. And it was just this last year. Someone was like, it just, you did we, your job. we just really don't need it. We don't, we need to spend the money. And you spend, you're spending 35 to $55,000 on remodeling a bathroom or even greater uh, amount than that. Sometimes just bite the bullet and do another $1,800 or $2,000, whatever it's mm-hmm. going to be at that time. It's worth you it. You can't now. go at it later you got to rip without tearing out. the floor yeah. out and the electrical and all that stuff. So just do it at that point. I've never had a client say, eh, I didn't really use it. I've had everybody that's used it. It's like, I love it. And I was one of them that did it. You know, I, I was one, I put it in and I turned it on and I went life changing. Does it make the floor sweaty? No, it does not. It doesn't okay. make it. It's a very dry heat. Cool. So it's heating, heating the tile. If, if it made it sweaty, your, your humidity levels Something's are wrong. just way off the charts in the house. Cause that shouldn't be happening. That means you have really cool air that's blowing in there in the room as well. Why that thing is on, mm-hmm. why you have steam being generated. Mm-hmm. That's the only, only reason they would ever sweat. They're wonderful. You know, I, I, I tell the gross story of my kids, you know, that when they were really little and I put it, I put it in their bathroom cause I just did a small bathroom with it and put it in girls found them laying on my bathroom floor all the time. It was so warm. <laughs> I was like, okay guys, no, it's just not, not a good place. Greg's been in here with his shoes on. You know, we, we don't want to, we don't want to be laying on the floor. <laughs> um, but one of the other things, uh, that's really kind of neat in bathrooms you know, because they're tight spaces already, door swings can be a problem. And we mentioned this just with the door widths right. being pretty narrow, but nonetheless, the door swinging into the, into a bathroom generally can hit someone who's standing in a vanity or, you know, however the configuration of the bathroom is. So a good solution is if you're, if you're widening a doorway, go ahead and put a pocket door in. This is one of my favorite features. For some reason, I really get a kick out of these pocket doors. Yeah. And, uh. Our bathroom, we can't do it just the way that the the we're Walls laid out, and, and, yeah, there's, and there's electricity and stuff. And, stuff and uh, but yeah, I, I love the pocket doors. Yeah, they're they're really awesome. As a matter of fact, one of the things that um, I've been doing with pocket doors when I design them into a space where we want better accessibility is we oversize the opening, and I put a lever handle on the pocket door because mm-hmm. you know the big problem with the pocket door is you need finger dexterity once it out. goes into the pocket. To push that little phalange and pull the door open. That's a good word. Phalange. phalange. Yeah, use that one. Your wife will like that. All right. <laughs> That's always a good one for your phalange. vocabulary anyway. So the, there's a little phalange that you, you pull out. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, what would you call it? I, I don't I mean, know. Would you, I don't how, know. If you were just rolling with the, describing this, what would you call it? I like a hook. A little button hook thing. I, I guess I've never known what it was phalange. called. Phalange. Sounds a lot better. Yeah. So now these are phalangeless, so you can put lever handles on the door. Now, what you do with that is you oversize the opening so you still have your clearance when the door is all the way open, but the door There's doesn't recess door all the way into the pocket, and the knob isn't what's hitting it. You put a stop in the wall that stops the door so the handle doesn't hit the That's trim awesome. yeah. and all that. And the lever handle you can turn so it's not uh, horizontal, but it's it's vertical. Mm-hmm. So um, you have a lever handle for easier that's use. cool and and that has been a really really nice change in pocket door installation that we've been doing that allows someone to have the proper width of the opening but then proper um, 
accessibility to be able to navigate and use the door if they even have finger mm-hmm. dexterity or arthritis, whatever it might be, mm-hmm. carpal tunnel, they don't have the ability to grab a doorknob or phalange. Phalange. Well, yeah, yeah. I, my brother-in-law had a, a house they just moved out of that the phalange would never pop open. Yeah. So it's like, why even bother have this darn thing when you're just never shutting or opening the door? Yeah. <laughs> so- <laughs> no, you're, you're right. You're right. So, and lever handles are really important to have on doors just in general versus the knobs. Mm. And that's great. If you think about universal, mm-hmm. it's one of the, one of the greatest universal elements that someone can adapt into their home without hiring me to come out and do it because you can run to a store and buy new door handles for your home with a yeah. screwdriver. You just take your time, read the directions and you can change all the door handles out in your house without hiring a contractor to do that. It's actually a fun project to do progressively through your home. But a lever handle, it, the accessibility is so much greater for kids, for adults, for elderly, for anyone who has finger dexterity, anyone who has a deformity, anyone who has a disability, anyone who's carrying groceries into their home mm-hmm. or just trying to carry a large load of things uh, through a doorway. Use your hip, you know, and you kind of duck down and stand up and the door opens and you push it with your hip. You don't need arms. Right. You know, a lever handle, you can't do that with a doorknob. No. And from a safety and security standpoint, it's really wonderful if you ever had to exit the home in, in, a, in a crisis. So uh, they're really wonderful. And, and, and of course, knowing that the accessibility is better, there are some areas you don't want children, like going, falling down the stairs to basements and things like that. So they have some safeguards in place for lever handles, or you can put a, you know, a locking handle on if, if there's an area you don't want a child to go uh, in particular or someone to go through an area. But the lever handles are just, they're the way to go. And it's called adaptable um, in the terminology of universal design because it's something that someone can do without hiring skilled labor to do it. They can adapt their home. It could be cr- closet rods and mm-hmm. shelves. There are cabinetries, uh, cabinetry that are designed to be adaptable. So if somebody wants an open compartment under the vanity, they have the way to go in and just detach the face of the cabinet to open that cavity that's that's back behind there. So they don't need to hire a contractor to come out and modify sure, a cabinet right, if they right, right. buy one that's considered to be adaptable. Right. So those are the things that, you know, again, a, a universal design expert is going to really try to do good educating of that and, and help them out, which brings me to a time that we should probably consider. Tip of the week? Tip of the week. Let's do it. It's time for the tip of the week. If you're planning a bathroom model and you're not sure about installing grab bars, that's okay. You can always skip installing them now, but be sure to plan ahead. Now's the time to save money by putting blocking in while your walls are open. Place blocking in areas around showers, tubs, and toilet area where future grab bar installation seems possible. Be sure to take pictures of your tape measure marking the exact location of blocking so you'll be sure to hit the target when you do the install. But also be sure to file your photos where you'll remember so you'll be well prepared. And that is your tip of the week. Let's get back to me. A great guess. Our great guess. Yeah. Uh, so uh, I guess boil this down. It's, it's just kind of a, uh, a stud, more or less, right? So you can behind behind the, uh, the shower wall. Yeah, so you're so blocking is basically using um, scrap framing. Okay. And so yeah, it'd be like a stud that you've cut down to fit between the joists, and a lot of times, uh, not the joists, the, between the the framing and the wall. Um, but you'll have, um, you'll generally need something more than a two by four. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'll want something that maybe is a two by six, two by ten. 
Uh, oftentimes when we're framing projects that have two by tens or two by twelves, we harvest some of those scrap pieces that are really good for blocking. The bigger the target, the more flexibility sure. you have in where you install. If you're trying to hit a tiny little target, you're very limited on you know and then exactly you got a where hole that in your tile. You know, it's not like a drywall where you can. Yeah, that's right. So. Grab bars are something that are very important to install. They're very st- stylish uh, now. They're not the, the just stainless steel, brushed stainless steel um, tubes that go on the wall that, mm-hmm. you know, they had in hospitals forever. But they've actually made them really pretty stylish. Sure. You can hang your towels on them. You can do all kinds of things. Yeah, with them I figure I would really use them nice. a lot. I mean, just again, to the kids, when you're washing the tub, when you're giving a dog a bath, yeah, I could see all sorts of uh, uses for these for sure. Yeah, and um, obviously they're designed for safety and for bearing weight, and so it is always better to to be able to screw into true blocking as opposed to use anchor bolts. Mm. And there are several different uh, manufacturers of of a of grab bars that they have an anchor bolt system that are very good for the unknown placement of I was going to say, if you're adapting like a, yeah. a bathroom you don't know about, is that the And you have no idea if go. there's blocking there or not. Yeah, you can buy these things that have these large bolts, but they're they're actually designed specifically for um, for these grab bars to go in walls that don't, don't have blocking mm-hmm. behind them. So I wouldn't go out and just go get those kits where you're going to screw it in yourself. I would buy that system that comes with that grab bar. Because if you put 250 pounds, 350 pounds of pressure on that thing, <laughs> you're blowing tile out of the wall. You know, oh, if you if you really did slip and your weight goes there and it thrusts the weight, you're popping it out of the wall. So the best thing to do is while the walls are open, you know, so many times homeowners are like, I really I just don't want to put grab bars in right now. I say, okay, that's fine. How do you feel about us at least getting blocking in here and having it prepared in and when, if and when you ever need it? I'm not saying you will, but if you ever did... It's ready. You're just talking about a handful of, of, of extra pieces of wood. Yeah. 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 I mean, at the end of the day, it might cost that homeowner, you know, $150 more <laughs> yeah. for us to lay that thing out versus several hundred dollars, thousands even, if you were had to tear out the tile and, and open up walls, if you were really putting in a proper system for it. So it's just, it's one of those things just planning ahead. And I've done it in mine. You know, I've got blocking all over the place and I'm ready for it if I need it. And, you know, the smart thing is take those pictures, but put them, you know, that's the problem. People are like, ah, I took pictures. I don't know where they went. And, you know, put them in the bathroom file or whatever it is. Just get organized. Sure. So I got to get organized first. That's then the, that's the hardest part of it, photos. right? You know, you, you did the thing and now you can't find it. So it's, you might as well not have done it in the first place. So... Yeah, so that's, I mean, there, there are so many other things we can talk about in the bathrooms, but, you know, we want to be really careful. The slip-resistant tile, that's another thing mm-hmm. while, we're, while we're hitting on it. You know, tile, don't go out. If you're doing a bathroom project yourself, I would caution you. This is another tip. I'd caution you from just going out and finding the tile, the big box stores that's on sale or clearance. That you go, oh my gosh, I can cover my whole house with this stuff. You know, it's just, they're having a blowout. Mm-hmm. Make sure you understand the performance properties of the surface of a tile before you buy it and for which area you're using it in. You've probably been in places where tile gets wet and you step on Zip. it and it's like you're at an ice skating rink. And those tiles that they have blowouts on oftentimes are just that. You know, I remember going, oh my gosh, this tile's 79 cents a square foot. Oh my gosh, I'm going to save so much money. 
not on the, you know, chiropractic bills from mm. falling on my can, you know, throwing my spine out of alignment. So, you know, th those are the types of things you really want to be thinking about when you, when you buy product or you research it, if you're doing it on your own mm -hmm. and you aren't using a professional consultant who knows products, how they perform, where they should be used, mm -hmm. where they shouldn't be used. And, uh, just stay away from the glossy tiles and, all in all. And what about those, uh, little stickers that look like flowers? Or frogs. Well, I mean, obviously those, <laughs> those things are there for someone who made the mistake in buying a surface that was too slick. Yeah. And those, those are there to give you texture that, for your feet to grab onto. But most of the products uh, that you're going to find out there, you won't need those little stickers anymore. Um, it's designed so it naturally reacts to bare skin on your feet. Mm -hmm. So whether there's a flowing water or whatever it is, you're going to be able to grip Perfect. that surface, you know, that doesn't mean you, you won't have opportunities to slip, but you know, you certainly, it will be much, much, much better than a lot of the things that are out there where you feel like you're walking on eggshells. Mm -hmm. So yeah. Cool. That's good stuff for the bathroom. Now That's great. Yeah, I'm going to leave it up to you. I mean, we can certainly do continue the series because there's a lot more to talk about with universal design in the home and approach to the house and some really, really cool things you can do, or we can just ba bank it for a rainy day. No, let's do it. I love uh, universal design. Let's let's keep these tips a coming. Well, look, uh, thanks everybody for listening this week. I hope you enjoyed the show. You uh, took in a lot on universal design over these last two weeks, and there's more coming down the pipe because there's an awful lot to learn. And, you know, the class that I teach is is uh, four two hour sessions, so we could do eight hours of this stuff if you really wanted to, and you get the whole course. Wouldn't that be something? Hey, we take care <laughs> of a bunch of shows. Yeah, we sure would. Um, but hey, if you want to hear about that topic or give your vote on it, we'd love to hear that. And you go to abovegrade at jsbrowncompany.com. Um, certainly go to abovegrade at iTunes or JS Brown and Company. And what's that they can do? They, yeah, well, while you're at iTunes um, and the podcasting app, subscribe to us first of all, but then you can rate and review us. You can give us a five right. star and tell us what you think. Yeah, rate us high. Right. That's good. There's a lot of people listening to the show now and we're, we're getting some really good feedback on it. So. Folks, thanks for listening once again. I hope to have you back soon. And uh, until next week, this is Bryce Jacob with J.S. Brown Company wishing you a great week to build from. Above Grade is a Columbus Radio Group production and produced by me, Greg Hansberry.